This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. show is about your calls. That's the point of the program. We start by going to them and talking to Seth in New Hampshire. Seth, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello there. Hey, gang. Hey, what's on your mind? I was listening to a podcast, and uh, Ian, you mentioned uh, about the uh, the uh, ballot proposition in Massachusetts to get rid of the income tax. Yes, the one that went down in flames. Seventy uh, percent of Massachusetts voters voted to keep their income tax. Amazing. What's amazing about that is that generally, you know, voters don't put two and two together and they'll vote for high spending. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, the people want socialism, but you have to have a really, really virulent form of statism to vote to keep the government taking your money. Unbelievable. Yeah. And people, but, I mean, well, they, they were scared by the same, you know, the government people always trot out the same old scare tactics of, well, if you don't, if you don't keep the income tax, children are going to be dying in the streets, old people will be uh, not be able to be, you know, be taken care of, and our precious police and firemen will be starving with their families. Don't forget the, the plague and the pestilence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... You had mentioned that we should the Free State Project should be really reaching out to uh, libertarians in the uh, statist wasteland of Massachusetts to let them know what's going on up here. And I just wanted to let you guys know about something that we're doing to reach out to them. Okay, what's going on? Well, the, we've uh, created a landing page that talks about uh, basically what's going on in New Hampshire, the fact that the Free State Project elected uh, four of its members to the legislature, and we were able to get a spending cap in Rochester, New Hampshire, so things are going much better than they are in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. How's, and, how uh, are things? How are? Uh, did any libertarians get elected in Massachusetts this time around? Highly doubtful. And yeah, and it, it's a lost cause in Massachusetts, you know. And so basically, what, uh, what <clears throat> the plan is to uh, implement the advertising on Facebook, mm-hmm. where we can uh, target the ads by age and political affiliation and state, so we can target only. Uh, students in Massachusetts, ages 18 to 25, who are libertarians and, for instance, fan of Ron, fans of Ron Paul or Murray Rothbard, or et cetera. Neat. So um, we're raising money right now. If I can give the uh, the, uh, the the URL, it's fsp.chipin.com. That's easy enough. fsp.chipin.com. And you can contribute to this outreach campaign to Massachusetts liberty-minded folk. Yeah, and on the page you can view the the landing page that we've created to see what the uh, people who click will see, and you can also it links to the FSP forum where we explain exactly what um, what the advertising will entail and how it'll work. So, you know, I wonder um, if anybody's going to be able to talk to the folks behind the, uh, the the repeal of the income tax behind that measure. The Center for Small Government, I believe, was spearheading that effort. Carla Howell and Michael Cloud are two of the sort of name libertarians that are behind the group. And it's my recollection, and I don't know if I'm recalling exactly correctly, but it's my recollection that when faced with the idea of the Free State Project in the past, Ms. Ms. Howell was less than, uh, well, less than interested, I guess. It yeah. seemed like they thought they had a real good thing going down there in, uh, in Massachusetts and that they were going to keep trying to achieve liberty in Massachusetts. And now that their ballot measure has gone down in flames, I wonder if they would be more open to the idea of the Free State Project and if you could somehow 
you know, recruit them into it and then get their endorsement. And then I know they've got an email list with a whole lot of liberty minded people on it. That would, of course, result in inevitably some sort of an email going out to that list uh, promoting the Free State Project, which I think would be pretty valuable. I don't know how possible any of that is because I don't know how you know cold or warm she might be to the idea these days. But hopefully you'd think she'd be a little more warmed up after this pathetic showing uh, down there in Massachusetts. Not, not for her, not for want of trying. I mean, no, she... it's not her fault. I mean, these people are so indoctrinated and just so sad down there. There, there is no, there's no chance for liberty down there. You're doing worse than you were a few years ago. Throw in the towel, move a few miles north to New Hampshire, and get active up here where you can actually make a difference. You can still see your friends. And you know, the the one of the things that I know that uh, Michael Cloud is one of her cohorts there. He has been famous for saying, for giving the advice out to libertarians that if you're doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results, and that is piss poor results then you should probably consider doing something different. So I think it's time the, uh, the libertarian types and, and liberty-minded people in Massachusetts really take a, a serious look at, at their situation there. Well, I can tell you, you're not the only one with that idea, because within 72 hours of the Messiah giving his uh, acceptance speech, we had uh, 50 sign-ups, new sign-ups to the Free State Project. Hey, that's, which, that's good news. So people, people are getting the message that... This isn't working. You know, Ron Paul, I mean, we put so much effort into Ron Paul nationally, and we, we did a lot of good things. We introduced a lot of new people to the ideas of liberty, but he still didn't break um, double digits in most states. Mm-hmm. And we, we just we have to concentrate our efforts if we really want to succeed. And the, the window of opportunity is closing. We don't have much time to, you know, before things get... <clears throat> Past that point of no return. Right. Every day that uh, goes by is, you know, the, the government, unfortunately, here in New Hampshire, we're only slowing. Uh, the amount of uh, activists that we have, we're only slowing the growth of government. We have not yet stopped the growth of government here in New Hampshire. Which is and, why we need more right. people. More people, yeah. So, we uh, only have 622 people so far, and we already were able to elect four of our members. So imagine what we can do with just three or 4,000, let alone 20,000. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Seth, so people can go to fsp.chipin.com to help you with this effort to reach out to the Massachusetts voters or Massachusetts liberty types. Activists, voters or not. Great. Thanks, Seth, for the call tonight. Appreciate the update, and hopefully a few people will throw in a, a few, at least a few bucks into there because I, uh, I think it's probably a good advertising outreach opportunity. Uh, no better time than now as well. And it's also time to, and I know they're working on this, uh, it's also time to reach out to those disaffected Ron Paul fans that are now wondering, well, what next? Now what? You know, the the Ron Paul-endorsed candidate, Chuck Baldwin, uh, from the Constitution Party, also went down in flames, uh, not doing significantly better than any other Constitution Party candidate from the past. Um, so I don't know if that's the Ron Paulites' uh, rejection of the Constitution Party based on the fact that they really aren't a pro-liberty party or what it is. I'm not sure what that is, I, but it didn't work. I imagine they uh, you know, caught the election bug and decided that they would uh, you know, vote for whichever one they felt was the lesser yeah. of two evils uh, of the main two candidates. I, was just look, I went to fsp.chipin.com, and they're only really looking for 500 bucks to do this. Oh, that uh, won't take th- long. Yeah, this won't take long, and they've already got 170, so um, you know, they're, they're, they're well on their way. Well, but, speaking of lesser of two evils, uh, obviously a lot of people are pretty excited about Mr. Obama being the president. A lot of folks are, you know, thinking that this guy is going to do something different, that this man is special, that he's a different politician. And now it's time for a change, they say. Well, do they really realize what sort of change they're going to be getting into? 
Now, I understand that we've talked on this program about the idea of so-called national service in the past. I like to call it national slavery myself because, well, I think that's what it's going to come down to eventually. I think that what you're going to see happen, um, and I don't know how soon this is going to happen, because remember, the gears of the government do grind pretty slowly, even with somebody who wants to make changes and everything. Uh, But I'm not sure how fast this is going to happen, but eventually you are going to see some sort of push for the idea of national service. I mean, they've already begun talking about it within the uh, the future administration of, of 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 Obama. And as we've talked about on the program, the 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 whole idea is to force young people in America into government make work programs into you know americorps and the military the department of homeland security he's mentioned something about a a civilian defense force as large as powerful and as well funded as the american military he has and and one of the things that he's been pointing out and his supporters have been saying is that well don't worry those of you who love liberty don't, don't worry about this idea because it's voluntary it's going to be voluntary national service they're trying to point out that this is going to be an option for young people. Which, of course, um, you know, still begs the question, is it voluntary that I, uh, whether or not we have to pay for it? Obviously, that's not voluntary. And um, do you remember how poorly FEMA has handled the national disasters in the last decade? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what happens when the federal government tries to help. But I don't know if, the, if the, uh, all of the claims that it's going to be voluntary even hold water. In fact... Some news has come out as of today about Mr. Rahm Emanuel of Illinois, President Barack Obama's choice for chief of staff. They've dug through one of his books, and we've got an excerpt that's particularly relevant to this whole national service plan. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Both are completely free for you at freetalklive.com, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Plus, we were talking quite a bit about the Free State Project a few moments ago. I want to invite you to their Liberty Forum. It's happening early March of uh, next year. You can get all the details as far as where and exactly when uh, over at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We're going to be there broadcasting live for the entire thing. Uh, Plus, there are a number of liberty-oriented luminaries that will also be in attendance, such as John Taylor Gatto. Uh, from he's a former school teacher, as I believe, former teacher of the year for the state of New York. This guy knows the inside, the nasty underbelly of the government school system, and is more than happy to reveal it. That's very interesting. Uh, a very interesting man. He's going to be there along with a whole bunch of other guests, including Glenn Jacobs, also known as Kane from the WWE, Richard Heller from the Heller versus DC gun decision, and so many more. You you want to be there, too, because you're going to be surrounded by hundreds of people that are like-minded. You'll be able to network and socialize and have a good time. It's really a blast. We look forward to it every single year, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Head over to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and use our special discount code to save yourself 10%. That code, 2009FTL. That's 2009FTL to save 10% on the Liberty Forum at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We're going to continue with calls, but real quick, this excerpt, Just to give you an idea of what's going on here, what is in the works, perhaps, for the upcoming presidential term of one Barack Obama, 
He has apparently announced that he's going to be uh, – he's picked his chief of staff, a man named Repres, uh, Rep – I think it's Representative Ram Emanuel uh, from Illinois. Anyway, apparently he has written this book, uh, this Mr. Emanuel's book, The Plan, Big Ideas for America, that calls for, among other things, compulsory service for all Americans ages 18 to 25. Here is an excerpt from page 61 and 62 of that book. This is what it says. It's time for a real Patriot Act that brings out the Patriot in all of us. We propose universal civilian service for every young American. Under this plan, all Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 will be asked to serve their country by going through three months of basic training, civilian de- or civil defense preparation, and community service. Here's how it would work. Young people will know that between ages of 18 and 25, the nation will enlist them for three months of civilian service. They'll be asked to report for three months of basic civil defense training in their state or community, where they will then learn what to do in the event of a biochemical, nuclear, or conventional attack, how to assist others in evacuation, how to respond when a levee breaks or were hit by natural disaster. These young people will be available to address their community's most pressing needs. So that finishes the ex- excerpt, and Mr. Essentially T- FEMA. Yeah, so Mr. Tassil, who wrote this, J.D. Tassil from the Civil Liberties Examiner, says, Emmanuel and co-author Bruce Reed insist that this is not a draft, but then they go on to write of young men and women that the nation, the nation will enlist them for three months of civilian service. Now, they use the term ask and enlist interchangeably within those few paragraphs. They also warn that some... Yeah, because, you know, it's the same thing, right? In another paragraph, they also warned that some Republicans will squeal about individual freedom, ruling out any likelihood that they would let people opt out of universal citizen service. As chief of staff, Emmanuel will not be in a position to directly introduce public policy, but his enthusiasm for compulsory service, combined with Barack Obama's own plan to require high school students to perform 50 hours of government-approved service, suggest an unfortunate direction for the new administration. An unfortunate direction, but one that was completely expected because we talked a lot about this uh both him and john mccain support the idea of national service and of course both of them tiptoed around the the concept of making it universal or making it universal or making it mandatory for everybody they tiptoed around that as much as they could during the campaign and i expect that you'll see more brazen admissions coming soon because he's in and it doesn't matter what he says at this point right and especially you're going to see this stuff enacted the first year because they want people to forget about it well they're going to try it that's i'm sorry they're going to try this stuff whatever they're going to try they're going to try in the first year because they don't want to you know they want people to be as far from it as possible when they're voting the next time i see what you're saying that's a possibility uh, they definitely are going to make a move on this, and we can talk more about Obama's plan to mandate that all high school students perform 50 hours of government-approved service, and that is a mandate. The proposal is is nothing voluntary. Right. There's nothing voluntary about that, uh, unless well, you consider going to government schools voluntary, you could and we fail can talk about that. until you're 18, and then you could get out That's and true. not do it. You could. And we continue here. We uh, will take your calls about whatever you want. Uh, Zach is on the line in Mrs. Uh, excuse me, Minnesota. Zach, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you two doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, well, first, of, I was going to talk to you guys about the fairness doctrine, but uh, real quick, I comment yes, on your last topic there. That appalls me, and I hope that that does not pass, but with a Democrat-controlled uh, government, I'm, you know, it's a safe bet that it will. Oh, it would have passed with Republicans in control. They were all for it. Yeah. 
But um, I've seen, I've interacted with members of foreign militaries, uh, for instance, Spain, where uh, military service is mandated, and mm-hmm. all you get is uh, just people don't, they're not going to put their hearts into it. It's going to, it's not going to achieve what they say it's going to. That's it's a waste of time, and it's just growing the government, and it scares the crap out of me, honestly. Oh, I think it'll achieve something. I think what it'll achieve is that it will essentially bureaucratize the youth of America ever more so than they currently are. I mean, we know that the the uh, the people, the young people in America have been indoctrinated very heavily with the idea that the state is wonderful and the state is all, and having them actually work for the government apparatus is going to only do that, uh, inculcate those ideas even further. I mean, I'm sure there will be many who rebel against it, and they'll come over to our side as a result of it. Um, however, a lot of people are going to just be completely brought into the fold of the state, and this is going to be like a bureaucrat training program for them, and you know that inevitably at the end of this program, they'll be encouraged to sign up for more. Come on board and become a full-time bureaucrat, and we'll pay you. We'll pay you even more if you come on board as a full-time bureaucrat, and then you know they're lost They're lost to the economy, because if they're bureaucrats... They'll continue they're... to nationalize businesses until the yeah. government takes care of everything. Oh my Gosh, that's scary. Anything yeah, that, else, Zach? that really that I hadn't heard anything about that until five minutes ago, and I'm just really? I'm speechless. Wow. But, uh, Are you a new listener? Oh no, I've talked to you guys a couple times before. Oh, okay. But uh, um, I've missed the last couple shows recently. But um, to the topic that I called in about uh, the fairness doctrine, of course, Obama comes out saying he doesn't support it, but. Um, uh, Nazi Pelosi and everybody in Congress, of course, wants to push for it. I wanted to know what you guys think about it in general and what you think how how it will affect your show if it passes. Well, what I'd like to know from you is, I mean, if you've been following the idea, what is it? I mean, I understand it was something back in the 80s that is that had some sort of mandatory aspect in regards to if you're going to have one particular viewpoint on the air, you have to balance it with uh, the other side, uh, the other side's viewpoint. I mean, that's a basic under that's my basic uh, understanding of it, and it was it was trashed. It's no longer there in the in the realm of the FCC. So I don't imagine whatever it is that's going to be called the fairness doctrine when it returns is going to be quite the same. So if you familiarize yourself with it, uh, at least to some extent, hang on. We'll bring you back. You can tell us what you know about what it might entail. I don't know if anybody's seen any proposals yet. I mean, I know they've been talking about bringing it back, but we all know that it's not going to be the exact same piece of legislation that it was before. So what does it mean? What is what is the new fairness doctrine going to be? It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Features include the updates. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get your, uh, get yourself on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live listeners can get a, get an autographed set of Freedom Force comic books for only $10, shipping included. Go to comics. 
www.thundergodexpress.com. And for the first ten orders right now, uh, mentioning Free Talk Live, you'll get a random, uh, a free random bonus comic included with your order. That's comics.thundergodexpress.com. I've read these um, this series. I enjoy it, and I have one put away for 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 Jack also. Comics.thundergodexpress.com. We go back to Zach in Minnesota. Zach, you're on Free Talk Live. You'd asked about the possibility of the return of the fairness doctrine. And, of course, I suggested that I don't know if it's going to come back in the exact same form that it used to exist. For those that are uninitiated, the fairness doctrine was something that existed back, uh, I guess 80s? Reagan took it out in sometime in the 80s. But it did exist up until, up until the 80s at some point. I think it was like 84 or 86 or something like that. Anyway, the idea was to force a balance on the airwaves on the various different uh, radio stations and TV stations across the country. The idea that, well, if you're going to air one side of a viewpoint, you had to air the other, as though, of course, that there are only two sides on any particular viewpoint. As though the uh, individual, uh, you know, an individual adult uh, can be forced to be fair, sort of like a kid, you know. um, Oh, now, well, if you're going to let one person on, you've got to let everybody on. That was the idea as I understood it. And, Zach, I don't know if you know what the new proposal is that might happen to be on the table. I haven't heard anything. Have you? Well, that's the thing. There's nothing on the table as of right now. But um, there have been certain uh, big-name senators in Congress that um, they say they wouldn't oppose it if it came up, things like that. And since they do have the majority, Mm -hmm. I I just see something like that in the near future. And um, Nancy Pelosi, she was even asked, do you support the revival of the Fairness Doctrine? And she said yes, flat out. So, I mean, I... I just wouldn't put it past them to go ahead and try to pass it. I'm I'm concerned about the fairness doctrine. I've, I, it it may be that it comes back in some kind of form where if you, you know, let one side on, you have to let the other side on. And which and I believe in the past, as far as just guests, was uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it would be. But in the past, uh, libertarians got on a great deal based on the fact that uh, you know that they needed to you know were forced to uh, show other sides. Now I never support tyranny or at least more tyranny and uh, you know so i'm i'm ne- i'm not going to root for this or vote for it but it, may, it might be that this is a very good thing for free talk live and that uh, stations would have to air something that the it's called libertarian but uh, it could be that at the same time it could be just you know that they they put it together so it's it's bad for us i don't know i don't i think for talk radio the fairness doctrine's terrible okay here is an overview uh, from wikipedia on what the fairness doctrine was It was introduced back in 1949, and the doctrine remained a matter of general policy and was applied on a case-by-case basis until 1967, when certain provisions of the doctrine were incorporated into the FCC's regulations. It did not require equal time for opposing views, but required that contrasting viewpoints be presented. The Fairness Doctrine had two basic elements. It required broadcasters to devote some of their airtime to discussing controversial matters of public interest and to air contrasting views Regarding those matters, stations were given wide latitude as to how to provide those contrasting views. It could be done through news segments, public affairs shows, or editorials. In 1974, the FCC asserted that Congress had delegated it the power to mandate a system of access, either free or paid, for person or groups wishing to express a viewpoint on a controversial public issue, but that it had not yet exercised that power because licensed broadcasters had voluntarily complied with the spirit of the doctrine. It warned that should future experience indicate that the doctrine is inadequate, either its expectations or in its results, the commission will have the opportunity and the responsibility for further reassessment and action would as, as would be mandated. So it sounds to me like 
the the original fairness doctrine wasn't too detailed in its in the ways that it was attempting to control content. It was suggesting or was telling stations that they did have to to uh, provide various different viewpoints, contrasting viewpoints, uh, but it did not specify how those viewpoints were to be provided. So it didn't say, well, if you're going to run Rush Limbaugh, you have to run one of the liberal shows afterwards or something like that. It, they did not get that detailed. Now, does that mean that they won't get that detailed in a, a new piece of legislation? Not necessarily. Well, I would think that they would be more detailed because at this point they've had to deal with uh, two decades of Rush Limbaugh and they don't like him. This is certainly the the case, and the Republican talk radio or the conserva clone radio, whatever you want to call it, is inevitably going to be on fire as a result of uh, the complete Democrat takeover in Washington, D.C. I imagine they won't like a lot of the things that are going to be said about the uh, this upcoming administration and may want to do things to, to, to attempt to silence that. I don't know how it's all going to play out, and I'm not really too concerned about our show. I mean, as far as – maybe I was wrong earlier when I suggested there weren't two viewpoints. I think there are just two viewpoints. There's those of uh, those of us who are in favor of liberty and then those who are in favor of the state, whether they call themselves the Democrat or the Republican flavor of that particular version. That's pretty much the only two viewpoints that there, there are out there, those who want to aggress against their neighbors and those who want to honor their neighbors' choices. So we're always on the on one particular side of that and forcing us to portray the status viewpoint i'm not sure how exactly we'd go about doing that i don't think i would obey that i'll do uh, it in a funny voice that yeah okay there you go mark yeah. you can be the one that uh, that brings us into compliance with that but i i myself am not too interested in following whatever that uh, diktat might be and i also imagine that the responsibility to obey the fairness doctrine will fall not upon the show hosts but upon the station management so if we're talking about a syndicated radio program like Free Talk Live, then Free Talk Live appears on various different stations around the country. We're on progressive stations. We're on conservative stations, for lack of a better term, traditional talk stations. So we're on in a variety of different places, unlike some of the conservative shows, which can only get clearance, as they call it in the business, on the more traditional talk stations or the progressive uh, shows, which can only get clearance, for the most part, on the progressive talk stations. So we sort of mix and match uh, on Free Talk Live. And uh, again, how that'll all play out when it's all said and done, I don't know. I don't really, I'm not losing any sleep over it, I'll tell you that. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for your time, and uh, keep getting the word out. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate thanks, hearing Zach. from you. Uh, good question. Something I know a lot of talk show hosts are very concerned about. I'm concerned about it. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like it, but uh, I, I'm not losing sleep. Uh, nothing's going to stop that. But it wouldn't make sense, as far as syndicated radio is concerned, to try to put down these rules, I don't think, at least, because the programmers of each station have a different vision. You know, on one of our stations in Florence, on WVNA, we follow a progressive talk show. But on the same station, Rush Limbaugh is on that station. So they sort of already mix up the shows. Will they uh, be in compliance? Will the, will the mandate be that if you're going to have one show on, you have to have a, ba- a counterbalancing show some of, at a later time in, in the, the broadcast day? That's a possibility. It's a possibility. I, I, I think that that's – it seems to me that, that, to me that, that that's the, the most likely thing that, that they would try to come up with. That would be something that would help the underdogs out there and those are the progressive shows i mean they are they're looking for more stations to get on they're not ha- it's not happening quickly for them and so that would be an easy way to help out entities like air america and the other syndicates of national 
progressive talk shows. And in smaller markets, you'll often find that that's the case. You'll have one talk station. That talk station will air a, a variety of different views because that's what best serves the audience. Mm-hmm. In larger markets, what best serves the audience is a station that you can get a, a single type of view, um, and then they can go to a different talk station and get another type yeah. of view. That's what serves the audience best. Uh, you'll you'll have a, a conservative station. You'll have a progressive station. You'll even have a station where perhaps they listen. They air Dr. Laura, Dr. Joy Brown, like a self help station, yeah, self helpy, money, healthy yeah. kind of uh, a station out there. And then they'll have a business talk station, a station that sells airtime to you know for info right. info infomercials, things like that. But in small markets, you'll have a station that that does all that at once. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be really difficult from a bureaucratic perspective to regulate the content of syndicated talk programs just because there are so many of them out there. But controlling the content of the radio stations is much easier because they actually have the license. They have the license. They yeah, have the license and that the FCC can pull that license if they don't jump through whatever the hoops are they put up. So look for that to be the trigger. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, one of the easiest ways to do that is to become an amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up via any major credit card or PayPal or one of our alternate options to send in 3 bucks a month to the program. Now, we take that money in and we reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country and around the world, bringing new Internet listeners on board as well. Uh, the AMP program has been a smashing success so far, and we can do more with your assistance. Uh, and you can get perks, too. Uh, you get access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Get all the details over at amp.freetalklive.com. That, again, is amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, we continue here with your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Dave listening to WAIS in Ohio. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, Good to I have you, Dave. That. What's on your mind yes, tonight? Agree with them or not, I was happy that Obama won, but I may not agree 100% with him. You're you happy. You, you do or you don't agree with him 100%. I'm happy, but I don't. Won't necessarily, I didn't agree with the Bushes or the Clintons either. Oh, I I understand that. Uh, you know, essentially, there's two really crappy horses in the race, and most people feel obligated to pick one of them. I mean, I'm yes, trying. I was trying to be happy to you know trying to look on the bright side and point out that maybe Obama and this whole Democratic control thing will result in the rise of uh, some very nasty socialism, and that might result in uh, some people coming on board with uh, the Liberty Movement. I mean, that's certainly a, a silver lining in what is a, a, a very dark cloud. Uh, but what are you so happy about? That it wasn't a return to four more years of Bush. Being us being oppressed by the Bush administration. Oh, well, now you'll be oppressed by the Obama administration instead. Yeah, I voted Libertarian, though. You did? Do you, you voted for Bob Barr? Yeah. That's, uh, well, he's not a real Libertarian, but I guess he was a better choice than one of the other two. Thanks, Dave, for the call tonight. Right, Good hearing you. from you, as always. 800-259-9231. In fact, there was a pretty... Uh, I thought there was a pretty good article over at Lou Rockwell today, not quite good enough to read on the air because he pretty much makes some of the points we made earlier this week about how the Bob Barr campaign was such a mistake for the Libertarian Party, such a sad, pathetic mistake for them. They really blew it because uh, Bob Barr did not get 
any more votes. No, I mean, he did not hardly get any more votes than Harry Brown did back in 1996, and he did not get the most votes of any Libertarian Party presidential campaign ever. So just an abject failure any way you slice it. And hopefully the Libertarian Party will find their way and get back to being the party of principle, and then I can be somewhat pleased with them again. But uh, it doesn't look like they're going in that direction at this point. So until then, we'll continue to ignore them because they're not worth talking about. 800-259-9231. We continue and talk to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, hi, hon. Um... I voted for uh, Chuck Baldwin, <laughs> but anyway, there was two things I wanted to uh, let y'all know about. There are two reports that have just come out, and uh, this is about the aborted fetuses that they're using their kidneys to put uh, their kidney cells to put into food for what? flavoring. They're, what? That uh, it's got to be illegal. Food, yeah, food companies. Uh, there's a federal investigation going on right now. I gave it to the to the reps, so they were, there's an investigation. Meanwhile, anyway, they never got they never went to FDA or anything. Just you know. And anyway, they're taking aborted fetuses, and they're taking their kidneys out and putting their kidney cells into the food. Why? And they're also cloning them, too. Cloning the aborted fetuses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're uh, the kidneys. What do, kidneys, uh, what do aborted fetus kidneys uh, do for food? It, it just, like it says here, sweeter than sweet, saltier than salt, more sour than an aborted fetus. But anyway, uh, there's a report you can get. Huh. I've got the websites for you to go to on this. And also, Dr. Martini just sent me a report, uh, which was done the 27th of October. On the aspartame, and it's a 17-page report, and this other report's five pages. She is Johnny on the spot at Dr. Martini on the aspartame. So what's going on now, Paula, with the aspartame? Are they still trying to kill people with it? This is a report letting you know what has taken place. Uh, with everybody involved trying to you know to get this stopped and and you know the uh, the reports that are there why don't they you, why, no why don't you, I mean I understand that a lot of a lot of people believe that aspartame is this evil chemical and I don't know maybe it, it is. is an absolute poison they found it when they were going through poisons yeah they found this chemical that was in the poison and in, they said like, oh in, it's in the garage we can use this anyway <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld's behind this. And matter of fact, I sent his admission to this to the U.S. Attorney General's office, and they did absolutely nothing. Well, why should they? I mean, they've got their. But he's uh, the one. That, he said he didn't care how many people he killed. Well, you know, it may be true. I'm not sure, Paula. I have not taken the time to do research well, to, on aspartame. Is, well, no, I don't. My brother-in-law just died from it. Well, I'm sorry and, to hear uh, that, uh, but I, no, I don't need to do that research because I can just avoid products with aspartame in well, the thing it is, if I'm that though, concerned. My mother's been drinking it concerned. for 20 years. Yeah, there are that, a lot that, of people, though, that don't know. I mean, they need to have this information. They need to contact their federal right, representative. Right. I, I was going to suggest to you, Paula, that if this is so important to you, that encouraging people to do their own research is probably going to be a more cost-effective method than trying to convince the government to change their mind about well, something. We ought to see who in the government, okay, how they went about doing this, which was, I mean, they actually went against, the matter of fact, Orrin Hatch. They tried to get this in the committee to get it stopped, and Orrin Hatch uh, stopped it. And uh, Donald Rumsfeld was given $12 million by Reagan. And he well, got it's, that's business as usual for D.C. I mean, the yeah, no. uh, business people, they they get their backs scratched by the government people, and in return, the uh, the business people scratch the backs of the government people to keep their um, keep their competition out of the marketplace, and that's what the FDA is very effective at, is, uh, you know, in, in, ensuring that a very small amount of companies are able to bring products uh, and services in the world of drugs to the marketplace. Did they shove the fetus thing through committee, too? Yeah. No, uh-uh. they, they didn't even go to the government. They just I don't went even and got know. a patent, and that was it. It's patents on fetuses. So you're saying, look, yeah, yeah the, going back to the fetus thing, you're saying they're using feti in food? 
yeah, they're taking their kidneys and using the kidney cells to put into the food. To put into the food. It, food. What does that mean? Who, Why who's, would they, who's doing it? What's the purpose of that? Uh, uh, from what I see, they said this will be a way where they can get away from the MSG and, you know, crap like this. But, I like uh, MSG. <laughs> MSG, honey, can make you violent. Okay? Really? Oh, yeah. And I mean, as a matter of fact, it's highly allergenic. It causes brain problems. It causes ADD, ADHD. You know, Paula, I have to say something. I mean, as far as what you're saying, it may all be true. I really don't know. But if you, put, if you give a bunch of a chemical to a rat and you find out that they develop a problem, it's usually because you gave a bunch of that chemical to the rat. I mean, when they do these studies on, uh, on little animals like that, they load them up. With uh, with doses. I mean, they well, load the them with doses is, that couldn't possibly be taken by a human have, being. You couldn't eat those the, ma- that many Doritos, Paula. They just, have they have the uh, proof that what it's doing to the human beings. I mean, it's causing fetuses to be born deformed. I mean, it's causing diseases. I mean, my brother-in-law died kidneys? a horrible death from it. You from MSG? No, from uh, from the aspartame. Well, we were talking about MSG. Well, the, the, yeah, but see, this also affects your behavior, and I mean, it's it's you know, it's yeah, very, I know. Very bad. It makes it's me want to keep shoving chips it. in my mouth. Thanks, Paula, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's what MSG does. Is if you put MSG on something that's not that tasty, and it makes it tastier because it's essentially it's uh, it's related to salt, monosodium glutamate. And it brings out a little bit of flavor in the the product, and at the same time, it also makes it somewhat addictive, uh, as, as I understand it. Well, and I am no expert what on do MSG. The fetuses do. That sounds like poppycock. Sounds to me like <laughs> sounds to me like Paul has gotten her information wrong again. Silent Green is people. Oh, you know we didn't get the website from her, but if I'm sure if you go and look for her, Doctor Martini, you'll get the facts or something like that. Uh, but facts. That's what Paula does. She gets fax, uh, faxes all day from uh, people like Dr. Martini, whoever she is. So uh, on the, this issue of the scary chemicals like aspartame and MSG, certainly these are not chemicals that are found in nature, right? They're man-made chemicals. And to that end, there's, uh, there's a chance that they could certainly be dangerous if taken in large dose. But so can natural chemicals. So can uh, you know go out and eat too many damn berries off the wrong bush, and you'll be in a, having a tough time. Uh, pick the wrong mushrooms. See what happens to you there. So whether it's natural or man-made, not really the issue. The issue is overconsumption. I would say the issue is, well, how much of this chemical are you putting into your body? Because when you find out that that you injecting a rat full of aspartame causes cancer to the rat's brain, yeah, that's a bad indicator. But how much did you give the rat? You probably gave the rat more than any human being could ever ingest in any short period of time. So that's not a really good, you know, down to real-life sort of experiment, in my opinion. Now, does that mean that people should go out and drink a bunch of aspartame and eat a bunch of MSG? Probably not, but you probably shouldn't go out, drink a bunch of alcohol, and eat a bunch of fatty foods. So all things in moderation, right? As you say, Mark, even your mother, who has been drinking a lot of diet cola over a lot of years, has had no problem. She's a healthy lady for the most part, right? Uh, yeah, she is. I, I, you know, I sincerely hope that uh, nothing bad happens. And, but uh, I think that some people are more sensitive to some things than others. That's true. Some people are very allergic to peanuts, for instance. But at the same time, you you got to live life. No doubt about it. I'm not going to stop eating my snack chips just because, uh, you know, somebody told me that MSG is, is bad. And I understand that some people are allergic to MSG. Some people have really severe reactions to MSG. So I understand as well. But I don't. I mean, it makes me want to have a few more chips. But if you just pour them into a bowl and you cut yourself off from the bag, that's a good way to uh, control your portions. More's on the way. Hour two's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Feel free to compare and contrast to the other talk radio websites out there, those other talk show hosts. They want to charge you to access their site. We've got more for free than they charge you for in many cases. So check that out at freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls and talk to Tom in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, Yeah, you're right. There are two different kinds of opinions on any given issue. There's mine and wrong. <laughs> and That's the cute. problem is, with the, about the fairness doctrine, by the way, before I go to the point I was called to make, is that uh, if, let's say I don't like what the local radio station is broadcasting, so I go ahead and uh, get the, the equipment and put up the broadcasting tower and start broadcasting my conflicting opinions, it wouldn't be long before a bunch of gun-toting goons in bulletproof vests would come uh, pay me a visit and shut me down by violent force. Probably so true. They're, they're, they're using violent force or the threat of force to stifle the dissenting opinions and the ones who have uh, the favor of the government are able to obtain the licenses and then regulate what gets said on those frequencies yep. because they control who gets to go into the studio. It's a great point. And the FCC is going to masquerade as though they care about fairness when, in the, when at the very same time the only way to get your opposing opinion out is to hope that you can convince whoever it is that runs the FCC licensed radio station to allow you to give that opinion out. So you still have to work through their system in order to get your ideas out there, whereas just flipping on a transmitter would be a certainly a much easier solution and would do, I think, an awful lot uh, to stimulate new ideas and new conversations in this country if people could go ahead and put up their own radio stations without fear of having armed goons with guns kicking in their front door and stealing all of their equipment. Uh, I, I think that I'm a huge fan of, uh, of pirate radio or community radio, whatever you want to call it, and uh, I think that would be a wonderful solution to whatever the perceived problem is of imbalance on the airwaves. Now, here's the, the issue that I brought up at work that... Uh, our company is checking people's citizenship and permanent resident status because Uh-oh. we're uh, building uh, stuff that's regulated. Uh, you know, it's called uh, international trafficking and arms restrictions. I, I told you before that they're starting to branch out uh, Pentagon contracting as customers. And uh, so they, they're checking citizenship. All private employers, of course, are required to do the I-9 form to check what's your citizenship and uh then the Pentagon contractors themselves are working on classified stuff, so they check their citizens. You have to be a U.S. citizen and get uh, the background checks and all of that to work mm. on that stuff. As a matter of national security, meanwhile, an illegal alien with a phony Hawaii birth certificate gets elected commander-in-chief of the armed forces. But the, here's the scary thing. What if he gets disqualified and the Electoral College says, well, we, we don't want to vote for him because he's disqualified. Let's vote for Hitlery instead. Hitlery and Joe Could Biden. Could they do that? Or Biden and Biden. Hitlery. 
or uh, Biden gets in as president and then uh, nominates Hitler to be the vice uh, president. I see. Yeah, it's a possibility. And that's the scary part about uh, what's going on there. So, well, it, uh, it's know, all scary really to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bad thing because uh, uh, Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton uh, could become president or vice president of the United States, and all of them are bad. And I well, read John McCain's bad too. Project. It's bad any way you yeah. slice it, Tom. I, I uh, read on the Free State Project's website that four members got elected to the New Hampshire House of Representatives. This is so true. There's a little bit of good news there. Uh, when I went to the New Hampshire Republican State Convention, I simply held my nose, and it was pretty much a John McCain for president rally. It was mm-hmm. a pep rally, and I, I was, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of felt sorry for all these imbeciles out there. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the way you got to deal with it. You got to feel sorry yep. for all these idiots. That's what you got to do, uh, Tom. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's Hit always him on someone a high note before he advocates yeah. shooting cops. There's always someone worse <laughs> off than you, I suppose. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. All right. So hey, you know, since we're talking about the FCC, here's a little bit of good news. I've been holding on to this for a few days, uh, looking to get it out there at some point. Because from time to time, they do something right. And here's their recent decision from Reuters. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission on last Tuesday approved a plan sought by tech companies like Google and Microsoft to open soon-to-be-vacant television airwaves to new wireless devices. Geez, I, I wonder why they approved that. Because the FCC or the Google gave them billions of dollars? Right. The five-member FCC voted to open unlicensed pockets of the spectrum known as white space that will become available when U.S. broadcasters are required to move to digital television early next year. Companies like Microsoft and Google, as well as consumer groups, said access to the white space airwaves would encourage innovation in cellular telephones and wireless devices as much as Wi-Fi did. So according to the FCC bureaucrats, uh, one of them dissented in part saying she preferred a more formal process to deal with interference issues. Traditional broadcasters and even country singer Dolly Parton opposed the plan. They said signals sent over the part of the, that part of the spectrum could cause interference with broadcasts or wireless microphones at live productions. A broadcaster's group, uh, by the way, I'd like to point out that the Wi-Fi they mentioned here is one of those, it was, at least I understand it, as I understand it, one of those unlicensed white spaces, uh, the, the Wi-Fi and the 2.4 gigahertz um, home phone that you might have. Uh, those are both devices that operate in the same spectrum range where those agencies, that whatever the companies are that are making those products, don't have to go and get special licenses in order to make products in that particular frequency range if i'm remembering correctly uh that was the case so now we're just talking about more of that we're talking about more uh bandwidth allocated to experimental things and and new ideas and technology i I love it when uh, stars and i like dolly parton i i I like her work ethic and i you know her her music's great too um but i like it i think it's hilarious when stars get involved in things like this what does dolly parton (laughs) know about the you know electromagnetic spectrum who knows the FCC sided with the, with the tech companies and consumer groups after two rounds of testing the devices. An agency engin- engineering report released several weeks ago said the spectrum could be used without causing harmful interference. So some of the traditional broadcasters are saying, no, this is going to ruin everything. And, of course, Google and Microsoft are saying everything's going to be fine. 
So we shall see what happens. Uh, but it should be, uh, you know, if they, if they really have the freedom to develop in these particular areas, so who knows what kind of wonderful technologies could spring up from that. I, I'm interested in what Google intends to do. Um, you know, I, they must have big plans, but uh, yeah. I'm kind of curious as to what they might be. Time will tell, I'm sure. Looking forward to finding out. Sergeant Pitstop is on the line. We go to Georgia. Uh, Sergeant Pitstop, you're on Free Talk Live. What's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? The other day you had some calls. Callers are worried about economic troubles nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I just had to call in with a few words of inspiration. Great. You want to read a poem or something? I'm going to dedicate this one to the hustlers standing on the curb, smoking herb, moving weight from the inner city to the suburbs, paranoid of jail, pockets full of yale, just waiting on another sale. Sip your beers, wipe your tears, encourage your peers. It's going to be all right. You know, that is a Everything decent... Everything is going to be all right. <laughs> Sell your dope. Make your money every night. <laughs> you know, it's happening? not a bad suggestion. around the corner, they want to start a fight. That's Seriously, okay. though, who is Sell that? Your dope. Who, who's, who's, what song is that? It's Afro Man. Afro Man. <laughs> I have to say that, uh, you know, it's not a bad idea. I mean, if you're having tough economic times and you're willing to take a little bit of risk, there's, a always, a de- there's always a demand for uh, illicit substances out there. And if you can get your hands on some of them and, uh, and turn them over without getting caught... Uh, and not make, smoking them. You'll be able to make a... Well, yeah, that, that's true. The best dealers don't use their own product. Um, All you got to do is buy a little extra. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate the suggestion. 800-259-9231. You know, I mean, if you need to make a few extra bucks going out and doing prostitution, might be a, a way to, to you know, bring some money in. You're twisted, uh, man. Selling uh, selling some uh, some illegal drugs, that's going to bring some money in. And even in down times, down economic times, people are still going to be wanting to get away from it all. I, I would say even more so, if not. Uh, they say beer going, and cigarette sales are down. Really? Yes. Wow, I don't know what to think about that. Well, they, they've all, I've always what about heard hard that, liquor, the beer. And, I don't know, um, but I don't know. Hmm. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Drinking just as much beer, just drinking the cheaper beer. You can be sure that people are going to. Yeah, exactly. People are going to be interested in uh, imbibing. They are going to be interested in changing their brain chemistry, even in tough economic times. So if you can help feed those desires of the marketplace, you'll profit. Of course, you might end up in a cage, but yeah. hey, such is the risk Try to, to take. stay on this side of the law. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And those features include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is now offering free seminars over spring break. This March, join other libertarians from across the country for an intense and interdisciplinary exploration of classical liberal and libertarian thought. Participation is free. The IHS provides housing and meals during the conference. Apply now to attend a seminar at the University of California, Santa Cruz, March 7th through the 12th, or at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, March 14th through the 19th. Visit libertarianseminars.com for more information. It's open to undergraduates, graduate students, and recent graduates. Meals, housing, and the cost of participation is covered by the IHS. Still to come, uh, we got to come back to the topic of national service, but I've uh, been hanging on to this one from LouRockwell.com for a couple days now, sort of an after-post-election uh, viewpoint on the issue of voting 
from David Bardalis. Still, I think uh, something that voting is still something controversial amongst uh, many members of our audience. Some people feel like they should continue to vote in order to minimize the damage done by the uh, the various different evils that are presenting themselves as options. Some people feel like voting itself is an evil. And uh, there's, I'm sure, a variety of other viewpoints. I don't know if it's all covered here, but uh, Bardalis has a few thoughts that I thought were worth sharing. He says, being a principled non-voter on election day is a little like being a turd in the punch bowl. At least that's how all the people running around yesterday blissfully participating in the American civic religion of statism viewed it. I'm some sort of a downer, a crank, a loony, a jerk. In fact, uh, Julia and I were out shopping the other day, and there was a button that was for sale that said, voting is cool. So they're really trying to put the idea out there that participation in the system makes one sort of part of the in crowd, I guess. And everybody that doesn't vote is uh, apparently part of the problem when, in fact, it might actually be the reverse that's the truth. Anyway, it's not, he says, that I view voting uh, as pointless. Even some active voters admit as much, but they still go through the motions because you can't just do nothing. He says, I don't think not voting is equivalent to doing nothing, but we'll come back to that. No, I don't vote because I believe voting, and here I'm talking per- particularly about national elections, is a positive evil, a fact that by now should be completely clear, but for whatever reason, does not seem to be. And this actually is starting to sound like something you might agree with, Mark, because you've sort of given up on the idea of being able to save the federal government, but at the same time, we've seen real evidence that voting can make a difference on a local level here in New Hampshire. So he's focusing on national voting with this particular article. He says, now it's possible to get many voters to recognize certain uncomfortable facts about the nature of politics, national politics, such as the often indistinguishable nature of candidates from the major parties, and that there are major parties. Some voters seem to understand that large vested interests, like Goldman Sachs, for example, play both sides of the fence with political donations, hoping for their state-enabled exploitation to continue uninterrupted, if not to expand. Some voters even get it that it's always the same small club of elites who just swap plum administrative jobs every couple of years, <laughs> regardless of who wins any particular election. And still others are aware of the stories of vote fraud surrounding the increasingly common Diebold electronic voting gizmos. And I'd add in that you can talk to most Americans and they'll tell you that, well, how do you tell a politician's lying? It's when his lips are moving. So many uh, Americans are inherently understanding the corruption uh, that is the, the federal government. They just don't know what else to do. Right. Uh, to top it all off, says Bardalis, everyone at least knows something about the illegal and or immoral activities of the U.S. government, from systematic kidnapping and torture and unprovoked wars that have slaughtered more than a million people abroad, to the establishment of a police state here at home that spies on everyone, suppresses free speech, criminalizes dissent, restricts travel, and bullies and plunders us with abandon. But even as the proverbial horse is presently directed with the trough, he still usually refuses to drink. In other words, despite knowing all that he knows about the voting process and the nature of what he's supporting, the average voter will not take the next logical step and decline to participate in a game that's not only rigged, but that's actively harmful to himself and his fellow human beings. Why? Well, it's an interesting question. I can't read people's minds nor understand their motives, and I don't pretend to, but one clue is found in the common responses that one receives when one insults or impugns the civic religion, sometimes even simply by saying, I don't vote. Well, why don't you go live somewhere else then? I guess you'd rather have we had a dictatorship. It's because of people like you that this country's in the mess it's in. How can you just not care? Think of all the soldiers who died for your right to vote. 
A careful reading of each of these responses reveals that whatever its other merits, none has any logical connection to my decision not to vote. This suggests that for many, voting is experienced as an emotional act more than anything else. Yeah, I'd say that's true. You know, I, I voted in the uh, the presidential primary, so I made my – you can't say that the this country is in the state that it's in because I decided not to vote. You tried for Ron Paul. Because I tried to – Give us, I tried to give us what I considered to be a good choice among, um, you know, instead of two crap sandwiches like we had. And it's not like um, uh, the, the presidential race was close in New Hampshire. So if I would have chosen for Barack Obama or would have chosen for mm-hmm. uh, John McCain, it's, it's not like it made a difference because it wasn't close. Yeah, My vote wouldn't have made a difference. They're just upset that you aren't playing the same game they are. Somehow I repre- would represent everyone who didn't vote and i can't mm. control everyone who didn't vote all i can control is me and whether or not i vote now i went to the polls and i did vote i just didn't vote in the presidential election if, well essentially we didn't vote in the presidential election or i guess i guess you didn't because you made an agreement but i i voted in the presidential election but not for anyone who could possibly That's win right. i voted yeah. for george phillies uh, so anyway, their egos are involved at a fundamentally non-rational level. If you mock the civic religion, you are therefore, or so he perceives, mocking the voter as a person. For whatever reason, he invests a lot of his own identity in his chosen party or candidate, and hence the importance attached to voting for a winner and the immediate dismissal of anyone who doesn't have a chance. Right, um, and, and this is right. It's uh, also so that you're sort of wrapped up in not voting is um, voting for a uh, third party is in some ways considered to be the same as not voting, in, in people's minds. Right, yeah, it, it gives them that same emotional response. Like, how dare you not pick one of the two major? We wouldn't have had Al Gore, or whatever. Yeah, but more than that, the emotionally comfortable experience of voting rests on the willful denial of what the U.S. government is and does. Now, it's true there have been and there are some governments that are even more hostile to their subjects' lives and properties than ours is at Many. present. But this doesn't change the fact that ours is bad and getting worse, nor that ours presumes to murderously lord it over the entire planet instead of confining itself to one particular region of tyranny. Many voters will simply consider criticisms of the U.S. government as hyperbole or as criticisms of the country itself. This is because believing that one can say one is against war, torture, and plunder while voting for all three is much more psychologically reassuring than admitting the inescapable truth, namely that one's voluntary assent to a system that promotes institutionalized violence as a way to organizing human affairs is simply shameful. So I confess to being short with people who presumptuously ask, did you vote? Or who literally wear their voterdom, I voted, around like a badge of moral superiority. I have trouble hiding my disdain when otherwise intelligent people flaunt their absurd belief that despite all evidence to the contrary, they have some say in what a government that employs some 4 million people, 536 of whom are elected every 2 to 6 years, actually does. Now, is non-voting a form of surrender? Well, we'll take a look at some of the uh, mistaken premises that people have about the ideas here in moments. 800-259-9231, and you can bring up anything. Plus, we got to get back to the national service issue. Old Barack Obama's got himself a plan, and we'll talk about what that is exactly, or at least what it is in this particular incarnation. I don't think any legislation has been yet written up on this. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are right there on the front page of the website. For your downloaded convenience, going back for an entire year, totally free, at freetalklive.com. Julia hopping on the mic till the end of the show. That's right, Julia joining us. Better to have some Julia than no Julia. She is feeling a little under the weather tonight, uh, and that's always sad to hear, but it's good that she managed to get herself out of bed to join us for the remaining hour and a half of the show. Mm, yeah. Don't breathe <laughs> She at me. sounds so excited to be here. I am excited. Okay, good. That's good. Because we're talking about non-voting. Uh, we're talking about not voting at a national level and some people's responses to the idea that you wouldn't vote. And, and I don't just mean not voting, period. I mean especially not voting for the two major party candidates. You know, some of the responses that you get from people when they find out that you're not participating in their little game that they're playing. Huh. One of my friends was telling me that uh, she has this new little 16-year-old sort of buddy who's kind of latched on to her, and uh, she said, did you vote today? My friend said, no. And she said, why not? Oh, my gosh, you have to vote. Don't you want to say in the future of this country? Yeah. Please. Well, I, I, can, I can sort of understand a person who's not able to vote, wondering about a person who is able to vote, and especially just this will be their first election. Well, I can especially s- when they're getting pounded with the message, uh, I'm sure, constantly at the government school. I mean, I can't even imagine well, how constant that must be at, around election season. And this 16-year-old, though, is somebody who wears an Obama pin, and I imagine if Chelsea... Oops, spilled the name. <laughs> we I imagine spilled her name a few times right. now. I imagine I'm if glad I've, I'm not the only one. I'm... I'm Imagine if my friend had said, yeah, I voted for McCain. The girl would feel a little differently. Just don't vote, okay? (laughs) Stay home. Well, uh, I'm going to continue the story here from LouRockwell.com. Then we'll get to your phone calls. And if we get a chance, we'll talk about national service here a little bit later. Uh, But back to the article from LouRockwell.com, David Bardalis, talking about some of the things that people say, some of the responses uh, to uh, the objections uh, that people have to people not voting. If you don't vote, your opinion doesn't count. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. He says, now, is non-voting a form of surrender? Some minority of voters are sympathetic to the argument for principled non-voting, but nevertheless see it as a form of surrender. Now, to answer them, let's review the admittedly oversimplified case for not voting. Premise number one. The U.S. empire represents a a threat to the peace, freedom, security, prosperity, and lives of Americans and of the peoples around the world. Uh, If you you doubt this, uh, see the Iraq War, Afghanistan War, Pakistan War, Democrat and Republican National Conventions, Department of Homeland Security, IRS, EPA, FDA, the War on Drugs, uh, drugs, etc., etc. Premise two, the people who run the U.S. empire are mainly all the same and have rigged the political game so as to keep their real priorities and policies perpetually out of the hands of the voters. And by rigged, I don't mean necessarily uh, diebold machines that uh, change the outcome. What I would mean by that is that the laws that they've passed have made it so that it's that much more difficult, as though it wasn't difficult in the first place for a third party to uh, to, yeah. to do anything. It's made it that much more difficult for a third party. They don't get into the debates anymore. You remember when uh, Anderson and Reagan and I think it was Carter uh, or uh, whomever, uh, Mondale maybe, were on the stage debating or when Perot made it in with the, the debates with uh, Clinton and Bush Sr., Dole or whatever. The, at the, in, the, in those cases, you had a third third voice. You don't get that anymore. 
He goes on, he says, premise three, voting will not only change premise one regardless of who you vote for, but it furnishes the same evil government officials with the legitimacy they need to continue committing their crimes. Such pernicious concepts as the will of the people, the majority, popular mandate, etc. Conclusion, voting makes you an active accomplice to serious crimes and enables the commission of yet more crimes. See, I, I, don't, I don't, do not agree with this statement, um, that, it, that it somehow pushes their agenda and gives them a mandate. It doesn't. If I I decide not to vote in the same way that nobody can call me a uh, bad person or blame me for the, the political situation if I just choose not to vote because the vote wasn't close here in New Hampshire. The four electoral votes were going to go to Obama one way, whether I voted or not, for him or against him. So the, the same way you can't blame me for my one vote, you can't say that I am some way uh, you know, endorsing it by voting. I, I don't think that it matters. I think that if you vote for a big candidate, uh, you know, Barack Obama or John McCain, you are endorsing tyranny, whether you like it or not. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you're an active accomplice, and I don't think it's enabling them. I think that if only 25% of people showed up for a national election, which I don't know if that has ever happened, it, usually national elections they get a, lot get of a significant turnout. Uh, but if only 25% or 10% of Americans showed up for the national election, I don't think that would stop the federal government from continuing to do its awful job of torturing people and stealing money from people and destroying lives. I don't think it would for one moment stop them from doing that. I don't think those politicians would say, oh, gosh, only 10% showed up this time. We better take it easy. Yeah, I guess, uh, guess uh, we should stop this stuff, huh? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, he goes on to say that, I must note that non-voting is only one step toward obeying the diktats of conscience. Of conscience, rather, I'm not, for example, courageous enough to stop filing taxes. Not voting, however, is, as of now, a perfectly legal and easy way to disassociate oneself from the crimes of the U.S. government. And why would anyone choose otherwise? Something often said when looking back on how relatively peaceful and open societies collapsed into murderous and repressive dictatorships is, well, why didn't anyone speak up? That's what I'm doing when I don't vote and when I strongly discourage others from doing so. Voting for evil, supposedly lesser or not, is evil. Don't ever do it, says David Bardellis from LewRockwell.com. I generally agree uh, with where he's, uh, where he's coming from there. Uh, and I think that uh, discouraging others from participating in the system is far more effective than just not voting. I mean, because if you don't show up, you haven't really done anything. But if you talk about it with others, then you've done something. I don't I, – I, I'm not of the opinion that discouraging or encouraging – none of it really makes any difference. And that's the only point that I've made along, uh, along these lines is that your vote in the presidential election – just doesn't make any difference. That's true. If you want to do it, great. Go ahead and do it. If you don't want to do it, fine. I mean, strategically, it just doesn't matter. I'd say the pretty much number one reason, really, to vote is to feel good. It makes people feel good when they vote. Yep. They're doing their part. And they feel better if the, their candidate wins. Oh, yes. Then they're vindicated. Testosterone uh, levels increase. There's a gentleman who I work with who was really, really into McCain. Of course, he's into any Republican candidate mm -hmm. that ever existed, but he was—he so, has not talked to anybody <laughs> since M McCain lost, oh. and he started parking backwards because he has bumper stickers, Palin <laughs> and McCain bumper stickers. He could just he started, pull them off. Yeah, I mean, he could take them off, but he's like embarrassed. Wow. To, yeah, it's very silly. Mm. So the toll-free number here, if you want to chime in on this discussion or bring up whatever you want, is 800-259-9231. And I understand that Mr. Bardalis here, the article, the uh, guy that wrote the article, he, he's feeling good because he's not voting. But really, that's not doing that much. I mean, it's not really doing that much to put a stop to the, uh, the, the terrible things that the state is doing to people. 
And, and I wish that he did have the courage to stop paying taxes. I understand why he doesn't. He probably has a family. He probably has a house. He probably has uh, things that he doesn't want to lose, some comforts, some you know, nice things in his life that uh, he would otherwise want to have. And that could be uh, all of that could be changed if the IRS decided to go and, uh, and destroy his, his freedom as a result of that. So I understand why he doesn't. But what I'd like to encourage people like him to do is to move up here to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project, get active for liberty up here, because we actually have a real shot at achieving liberty in our lifetime here in New Hampshire. And I just I wonder how many people in the liberty movement have still even not heard of the Free State Project, because you'd think that these people that are writing articles over at LewRockwell.com would be just jazzed up and excited about the Free State Project. But yet I've only seen a few articles there about it. I know that Manuel Laura is one of the uh, the authors there who is a Free State Project member. I think Bill Walker is another one who's a Free State Project member. So they've got a couple guys that are, you know, Free Staters, but you don't really see it too much in the realm of sort of libertarian academia. You don't really see it discussed too often, and I wonder why that is. If you've got any suggestions uh, as to answers to that question, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up, Barack Obama has a plan for national service. And it involves the high schoolers of America, as we expected it to. Yes, this is what we uh, predicted would happen after we saw what they were talking about at the recent uh, September 11th summit that they had on this national service or national slavery idea. We'll tell you what they're planning to implement, or at least at this point in the game. It could get worse before it actually passes. We'll see uh, what's going to happen. We'll talk to you about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and would like to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, whether it's used or brand new, uh, get your shopping done. Feel good because you're helping Free Talk Live and getting the brands you trust at great prices and super saver shipping. In many cases, is free with uh, orders over $25. It's not every item that they have, but it's a whole lot of them. So head over there and get your shopping done at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, especially considering the holiday season is virtually upon us here. And you're going to probably be looking to do some shopping. Why bother wasting time at the mall, spending too much? And those mall stores have to pay all kinds of money for rent and overhead and stuff like that. Whereas Amazon, they're just shipping stuff out of warehouses. So uh, you're going to get stuff cheaper if you go through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. All right, so... We're going to the national service issue. Started out by talking about, in the very beginning of the show, uh, Julia, you weren't here for this part, but in the beginning of the show, what we found out is that Barack Obama has already begun talking about who he's going to choose uh, to be his staff members in the the White House. Right. And his chief of staff had been revealed in one of his books that he's written to have essentially been calling for compulsory national service. And we've talked about national service a lot on this program over the years. Uh, we talked about the idea of uh, them drafting young people, essentially, into becoming government bureaucrats, not just into the, the military, which they'll be doing that, uh, but also drafting them into become uh, Peace Corps bureaucrats or AmeriCorps bureaucrats, or apparently Barack Obama wants to start up like 10 different corps. He wants like the old person's corps, and he wants... Uh, the Veterans Corps. And Something called a Civilian Defense Corps. Right, the uh, the Homeland Security Corps. 
And so apparently his chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel from, from Illinois, is saying that he's going to ask all Americans between the ages of 18 and 25 to go through three months of basic training as well as uh, three, months of, uh, three months of civil defense training and three months of civilian service. And this was just his proposal. Again, this is not official. Uh, this is not on the table as and far as what And when am I supposed to find time to do this? Well, you're going to have to take time off at work, I would guess. Well, I find that insulting. They'll probably don't worry, Julia. They'll probably come and uh, mandate that your employer take you back, just like they do with the military people. They'll they'll mandate that there'll be a law that they'll pass that'll say that well, if we take your employee away for three months, you have to hire them back later on. So that'll be I, fine. Oh my gosh, I would be so angry. I don't even know how I would. Re- I I don't know how I would respond to that. Well, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about what uh, Obama's put on the table because now he, besides this guy saying that he's just going to ask you to come and serve for mm, a okay. half a half no. a year of your life, uh, they're they're also saying at the same time that the nation will enlist you. So when they use a term like enlist and they also use a term like universal, it makes it sound like uh, well, it's going to be forced. It makes it sound like it's going to be mandatory, especially when in another paragraph he says that some Republicans will squeal about individual freedom. Well, why would that be? Maybe it's because it's going to be coercive. Maybe it's because there aren't going to be another option. Maybe it's because everybody between 18 and 25 under this guy's plan would have to go and work for the federal government. But let's also focus in on what was written by the same author here, uh, not not the uh, Barack, not the friend of Barack Obama, but J.D. Tassil from the Civil Liberties Examiner. I, I cannot wait almost until this stuff starts happening. I hope it starts happening fast and just awful stuff just right down the pipes because I'll bet everybody I know who voted for Obama has never even heard of this. Mm, it's probably true. I know that some people were out talking to the Obama supporters about this. Uh, Dave Ridley was out there talking about it to some people, and they certainly didn't seem to have a grasp on the concept. Some of them uh, acted as though they weren't really that aware of the idea, but when presented with the idea, they supported it. Uh, because well, Barack been... Obama. Uh, but if they said McCain supported it, yeah. they would have said something different. That'd be an interesting little thought experiment. Oh, I bet you're right about that. Um, so... So here's the story uh, from J.D. Tassil at Civil Liberties Examiner. Both Barack Obama and John McCain have long supported some sort of national service that involves large-scale participation by Americans in projects deemed worthy by a government agency. It may mean building housing, assisting with the provision of medical care, or patrolling the border, but overall it involves putting aside personal preferences, uh, as McCain puts it, for a cause greater than yourself. Obama devotes an entire section of his campaign website to national service. McCain does the same and penned a column back in 2001 praising AmeriCorps and calling for expanded opportunities for government-sanctioned service. Both candidates recently appeared at a national service uh, forum sponsored by Time Magazine, which has made the issue its house hobby horse. McCain and Obama have each praised local volunteerism, but seem to think that donating your time to a soup kitchen, a clinic, or a church is less valuable than participation in a grand-scale scheme managed by the state. And when we were talking about this particular uh, National Service Summit that he's referring to here, that was definitely the message that was coming across. The message was very crystal clear, and that was that, well, volunteering's good, but working as a bureaucrat is the most honorable thing that a man or woman can do in this country. This was the message that they were very, very clearly putting out there. 
Tassil says, I have a lot of thoughts about politicians who deem hours spent in grassroots service to causes chosen freely by volunteers to be inferior to government programs run from D.C., but I'll hold my tongue on that for now. What does interest me, though, is whether all this talk of national service means that the grand old days of conscription are about to return. Though now with drafe- uh, draftees stuffed into hospital scrubs and denim as often as they're required to don camouflage. McCain was once an advocate of the draft, though as far as I can tell, he's uttered nary a word in favor of conscription since he started pursuing residency in the White House. The National Service section of his website is full of talk about opportunities and incentives, lots of carrot but no stick. Whatever his personal feelings, he seems to understand that draft boards are no longer compatible with presidential ambitions. Now, uh, let's be clear. Politicians say one thing during the campaign and do another. If McCain was elected, he would have been saying that it's it's all right. I'm it's only going to be I voluntary. I didn't want to have to do it, folks, but it's important for the nation. Right. Country first. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's what they'll say is, well, we didn't want to make this uh, conscription. We didn't want to make this involuntary, but you know what? Times are tough, and we need you to serve. We need you to become a government bureaucrat. What I want to know is if people would really just bend over like they do over and over and over again or if this would be the you know the straw that just because that's going to interrupt a lot of people's lives sure it will people have plans they this like is what more they're than doing a seatbelt law or something stupid <laughs> like that that's a good observation and it's a good question if you uh, have an answer to it at 800-259-9231 with this with the uh, with the institution of a national service program that's compulsory that's mandatory push you over the edge and make I it mean, so you non-cooperated? It's a draft, and I feel like a lot of people would realize that and that that would just infuriate people. But then again, I've real, I feel like I've said that before about other things, and nobody's done anything. You'd, you'd think uh, yeah. that it went with uh, the, the confiscating of Americans' property with the, I can't remember, uh, New London. Yeah. Um, Eminent domain. In, yeah, and people in, have forgotten about that already. Yeah, they have. Where um, the Supreme Court basically said right out in the open, hey, governments all across the country can take private property for private purposes, give it to other private property owners, and that's A-OK. And right, and with the Heller decision, the Supreme Court said that uh, you know they can regulate uh, gun ownership in any way they wish. How about the outrage over the bailout? How about the 100-to-1 uh, phone calls the so-called representatives were getting against the, the $700 billion bailout? The, the Supreme Court's refusal to hear... Uh, Where's the outrage? The, right, right. There, there isn't... Any, the, the, you know, the people that are... People like myself are continuing to be outraged, but it's, it's, it's a very small amount of people. Um, the, the Supreme Court refusing to hear the, uh, the peti- petition for redress of grievances from the We the People organization case. Just, you know, nah, we don't need to hear that. No, they just... They just... Uh, smack down freedom every uh, everywhere it might possibly rear its head. And what do people who who actually are concerned about freedom do about it? They cry in their you know they they cry in their porridge. Right. They think uh, the bureaucrats believe that they know best. Now they they may believe that they're going to do the right thing with it, but they believe they know better than you. Eh, some of them probably are are bad folks or selfish folks, but. By and large, they probably think, oh, well, we, we just know better. And, mm-hmm. and that has to be what happened with the uh, the bailout because I, I, I suspect uh, there's a lot of incumbents got their butts handed to them over this bailout situation. Did they? Has anybody seen that as far well, as what the incumbent reelection rate was this year? I, I don't know, but uh, I, I know Sununu didn't make it and neither did Dole. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably more it likely than... It would have probably inc- helped if they would have voted the right way. 
Maybe, uh, but it's also probably likely that incumbent Republicans had a tougher time than incumbent Democrats this year. It seemed to be kind of a clear out uh, still, sort of a repeat of 2006, where a number of Democrats were were getting in over Republicans. But nonetheless, uh, this this issue of national service is still, it's it's very prominent. They're talking about it now, and you, you can expect to see them talking about it more openly as far as what their plans are. But we haven't gotten to Barack Obama's plan yet. Uh, what is it that he is putting on the table as far as requiring high school students to do national service. It's sounding already like it's going to be a mandatory program, and we'll get to the details here. Of course, I have to ask you, what will you do about it? Uh, Whether you're in the age bracket or not, whether you're a parent of a young person or whether you are the young person, how will you respond to the new draft? 800-259-9231. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We'll come back to national service here in a moment. Tell you what old Barack Obama's might be uh, having planned for the youth of America. But first, we'll go to David, listening in New York. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening. Hey there. What's on your mind? Uh, I have an interesting constitutional story. Okay. Um, Two days ago, I was riding passenger in a vehicle. We took a left-hand turn, passed by a police officer in the opposing lane. Mm -hmm. The driver did not have his seatbelt on. We continued down the road, saw him bust a U-turn, pulled over, and uh, the cop asked for his ID, asked me for mine as a passenger, and I said, I don't have ID. said, well, what's your name? And I refused to give it to him, asked if I was being detained, etc. So he started asserting his authority in every way he could and saying that there was a Supreme Court case which allowed him to demand my identification and that he could detain me if I didn't. They called a detective, to a sergeant and another officer showed up. They tried to say the car was going to get impound. They tried to get my buddy to tell him my name. They tried to do everything they could. I absolutely refused. They cuffed wow. me, brought me to jail, threw me in a cell, and then finally re- recognized who I was by my tattoo which I did have an outstanding warrant for a traffic ticket. Obviously, I would have told him my name just to get him to leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But uh, the detective even showed up at my buddy's house and started questioning his mother about who I am. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, you can't even sit in a car anymore without having to give up your papers. It's crazy. Papers, please. Uh, So so they ended up figuring out who you are based on your tattoo. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said uh, zip to him, huh? Well, it was the same station. Yeah, I would have waited it out for 24 hours. I, I talked so much junk to these people, it was ridiculous. It was so much fun. I actually got to talk <laughs> about the banking system with them, got to talk about the drug war, and then I called them all a bunch of punks the whole time, too. It was great. And wow, they and they didn't there, smash but... your head in against a concrete no, wall? No, no, no. It's a quiet 
little town in uh, Rochester, New York. They're really, they're absolutely a bunch of weaklings, I'll put it that way. Hmm. But I'll tell you what, when they were pestering me, I don't remember exactly everything they were saying to try to get me to convince them to tell them my name, but they actually, I swore, and they gave me a disorderly conduct for swearing. Wow. A bunch of grown, big, tough men with nine millimeters and, and nightsticks and tasers are afraid of a few little expletives. Right, as though ridiculous. cops themselves don't have some of the filthiest mouths out there. I've known some. Uh, I've known some cops, and uh, you know they have no problem cursing up a storm. No, they're no different than you and I. Except sure. For they were the popular guy in high school that used to beat up on the fat kid in the in the gym changing room. That's yeah. all. Yeah. And they've got a gun on their hip, which means that anything they say is automatically, you know, the the word of uh, of Jesus well, or whatever. I'll put it this way, and this is what I told them. I said, "You're not crap." And I used a different word. I said, you're not crap without your badge and without your radio. I said, it's not even your gun. It's your badge and it's your radio that gives you power. Other than that, you're no different than the rest of us. And I even said something to them. I said, one day, y'all are going to have to choose whose side you're on. And one cop said to me, you know what? You're right. I just hope I'm dead before then. Wow. Wow. I have to say very, that I, while I agree with your, experience. I agree with your sentiments. I don't know if I would be quite as nasty to them, just because mm-hmm. I'd be concerned they, uh, you know, they might. It is kind smash of fun. Uh, I I got arrested once when I was 18 years old, and as soon as they put the cuffs on me, I, at that point in time, you got nothing to lose. I exactly. was, did the same thing that he's describing. Exactly. Just talk to him. Be nasty. Oh, I made them, when they told me, when they put me in the cell, they wanted me to take off my shoelaces and stuff. So I took off my shoes, and then, then they put me in there for a little bit, and then they realized that I had a hooded sweatshirt with a string in it. And apparently anything you can hang yourself with, they have yeah. to make you take it off. So so I told them, yeah, you can take my shirt off. I said, I'm not going to take it off. <laughs> I mean, I forced them to do it. I mean, I told them all, I said, you guys can beat the crap out of me, but I can tell you no, and that makes you powerless. You could beat me to a bloody pulp. As long as I keep telling you no, you're absolutely powerless. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I agree hey, with you I, there. I got I a mean, recommendation on something. Yeah. Uh, go on YouTube, put in Frank Zappa, and there's a 21-minute Crossfire interview about censorship of uh, of uh, words and lyrics from 1986. I believe I've seen that. Zappa, is uh, he was a really fabulous. amazing guy. I mean, I didn't know too much about him as I was growing up. I've only really kind of come across him in, in my older, uh, in my, the adult years that I have uh, been experiencing. And he was a real libertarian, Frank Zappa. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, he's the type of man that I would put him a step over Ron Paul. I mean, he's really... I don't know. Obviously, he's dead, right? So, I mean, no good now. But um, Hey, hey, thanks for sharing your experience. Did you have anything else for us? Yeah. Did did you look into what I was talking about with the Federal Reserve System and that guy, Eric Huru, and the idea of allowing the the government to print the fiat currency again? No, but I took your word for it, and it sounded like an interesting idea. Um, There's a movie called, I think it's called The Money Masters or something like that. It's like a two-hour special where they go through... The fact that the American government has switched back and forth between a gold standard and a fiat paper currency eight times, and it shows how the Revolutionary War was because the Bank of England forced the Parliament to pass a law to make us pay our taxes in coins, and the coins were not available in the United States, and we were using something called colonial script, which was a fiat currency, which was very successful. But the minute they started, they forced us not to be able to use it, then nobody had the money, we went into a depression, caused the Revolutionary War. Even Benjamin Franklin is quoted as saying, uh, we had no problem paying the taxes. It's when they told us we couldn't use our colonial script that we had a problem. 
and it shows how the Lincoln Greenback was printed to fund the war and how they even stayed in circulation in 94. They were just uh, reissued with the same serial number as they decayed. Absolutely. I think I have heard of uh, this video. The Money Masters is what it's called. I believe that's the one. I I know that's two hour special from 1996. Yeah, I think it's on Google Video. I think people can watch it over there for free. And David, I thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate you uh, sharing your experience and let us know if uh, more comes out of that disorderly conduct charge. All right. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Yeah, Julia, I see where you're coming from, where, you know, they've, they've clasped I'm the handcuffs on you. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a logical thing to do. I'm saying that at that point in time, you're angry, and yeah. you're in handcuffs, so slurs the words just start coming out. Sure, sure, yeah, that I understand. I just don't know if that's really going to help you in any way. But I mean, what I, is going to help you? Well, I don't know. I mean, per- perhaps being persuasive might be better. I mean, these they are people that... They don't care what you have to they say. They probably don't, hey, but they're buddy. Maybe- you want to? How about you take these handcuffs off? Well, now, wait a minute. I don't mean you're going to persuade them to let you out, walk out the front door. I'm just saying that, I mean, if you're going to talk to them, I mean, they're not being total jerks, because not all of them are total oh, jerks. Oh, well, when I was arrested, the guy was a total jerk. Well, then he should get back what he puts out there. I right. agree with that. But it, but if you can, you know, perhaps be persuasive to them uh, and maybe help them understand uh, some ideas of liberty while you're there, I then that can't be a bad thing. I don't think cops give a crap about what you have to say. Well, it's a blanket statement. Some, some, you right, know, I don't they, think that's they're, they're fair. Captive audience. I feel to some like extent. if a cop is arresting you for possession of marijuana, liberty is probably one of the last things on his mind, and he he's not gonna. Hey, I was thinking maybe you should check out this radio show I listen to, <laughs> freetalklive.com, buddy. Uh, like I, I don't know. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt, would it? It would it? Would it hurt to to reach out to these people? They, uh, uh, Dave Ridley said that he he had some luck with his. Uh, a rester when um, you know he was locked up right. not too long well, ago. Well, this is a guy who like slammed my boyfriend at the time against the car. I it's not even yeah. somebody I want. Uh, I agree with you there. I thought you were saying that you would just be nasty to everybody in the jail. No. Okay, I thought that was the impression I was really getting. You don't really have access to cops in the jail mostly. Yeah. I mean, it depends what jail you're in, obviously, but you're in a cell with other people. If you move somewhere, one cop comes, he shackles you up, you walk down the hallway with him and and 20 other people, and you don't really have an opportunity to chit-chat with the cops. Well, I do know that Russell Canning... They yell at you sometimes. Russell Canning, who's one of the non-cooperative activists here in New Hampshire, did get a a very nice letter from one of the corrections officers at one of the jails that he was staying at, and uh, it was a very positive letter that... uh, I don't don't have it in front of me. I think, actually, we read it on the air at at the time it came out, but it was very positive, and it it said that Russell's being there um, helped him kind of come to some understandings that he hadn't really understood before and that I mean he was grateful that he well, had, how long had the was opportunity he there though I don't know for a while I don't I don't recall because like this guy is talking about being there overnight and that's what I'm talking yeah. about as well all right well uh, yes I agree that if they're being nasty to you then then you should probably just not even talk to them at all but if you've got somebody that's brand new that you haven't had a chance to speak with yet it wouldn't hurt to pers- to work a little persuasion on them more on the way you can take control it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us. 
Again, freetalklive.com. The features include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. Again, that's shrine.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I. All right, toll-free, 800-259-9231. You know, uh, Julia, you mentioned during the break that I have obviously not been arrested before, and you're absolutely right, I haven't, Um, and I'm I'm very pleased about that, but... um, that said, we've been talking about the idea of, well, when you're in the situation where they're taking you to a jail or you're in a jail and you're dealing with these corrections officers and these cops, instead of being nasty to all of them, maybe you could just be uh, standoffish with the ones that are being nasty to you. Because as I recall from one of your experiences you had told me about, there was one, at least one cop that said he didn't think that you should be there. Yeah. At least one guy showed Actually, you some level of compassion. times that I got arrested, that happened. So one some cop... Who took me to fingerprint and I was alone with told me that they thought that it was really sad that somebody my age was in there and that I didn't belong there and, you know, it just went on. But I never made the claim that you should just by default be nasty to right. every cop you come across. No, I know you never made that claim, but I'm just pointing out that not all of them were nasty to you. You you pointed out the cops that you know slammed your boyfriend up against the car and were treating you bad, but you did come across some that were acting at least as though they had some level of humanity left inside them. And it was those, I think, that would make perhaps the best people to, to have, have a conversation with. That's all I was saying. Uh, if you guys want to share your experiences inside a uh, government uh, prison or a jail uh, in regards to some of the guards and some of the experiences you've had with them, you're certainly welcome to, or whatever's on your mind goes at 800-259-9231. Let's go to Evan, listening in Michigan. Evan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind, Evan? Uh, I had a question about, I'm writing a paper in school about uh, the current economic crisis that we're going through, and my argument is that the government was kind of not behind it, but most greatly impacted it. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what sources, if you guys know any sites that I could check out to kind of use as references throughout the paper and stuff like that, like, uh, that would help support my uh, opinion or my, yeah. I would imagine that uh, LouRockwell.com probably has some good articles about the bailout and the financial crisis. That's a good idea. You could also uh, turn to Dr. Mary Ruart's book, uh, Healing Our World, where she talks about the original Great Depression and the original uh, the, the reasons that that happened, uh, why it was that it's the government central bank that is essentially the cause of all of these um, economic problems, because with the central bank, they control various different aspects of uh, you know interest rates and uh, inflation and, and things like that. And the results of that can be malinvestment, where business uh, business owners and, and investors will go and, and they'll just incorrectly invest because the market signals are distorted because of the government central bank's involvement. And the, eventually, those market signals have to be, or those uh, malinvestments have to correct themselves. And that's what was it. That, that's what has been happening, but the government's now attempting to put that off. Uh, as long as they possibly can to delay the inevitable consequences of their original meddling. I would imagine Liberty Conspiracy would probably have some good stuff, too. Gardner's Gard- website? Yeah. Liberty Conspiracy? 
Courtesy.com. That's a possibility, too. And, you know, this is a good question that would work really well on the Free Talk Live BBS. If you go over to bbs.freetalklive.com, post a thread there. I bet you'll get all kinds of uh, good recommendations. And, and all kinds of nasty people saying weird stuff. Well, yes, there are some nasty people there. That's true. Yeah. So hopefully um, that helps. Anything else? Um, I just wanted to, you know, thank you guys for uh, everything that you guys do. And well. uh, thank you guys for... Uh, <laughs> Making me freak out during at the when I went to go vote on freaked Tuesday. Freaked out? Why'd you freak out? Yeah, because I feel I feel bad and I probably won't ever vote again because of this. I went to the poll thinking I was going to write in Ron Paul, mm-hmm. and then I at the last minute something in my mind told me to vote for Obama, and then I did it, and oh. then I, I felt like terrible afterwards because oh. it totally went against all my principles and everything that I believed in and everything that I've learned over these last eight months listening to you and Ron Paul and. Mary Rearard and reading all these books, and I was just like, why did I do that, you know? Well, at least it didn't mean anything, because like, like your Mark. vote doesn't matter. What, yeah. Julia said it didn't mean anything? Yeah, at least it doesn't really matter. Like, you didn't really contribute to Obama winning, so, I mean... Well, it matters to him. It mattered on the inside. Yeah. He felt as though it mattered. And But did you feel like you were possessed with, like, the ghost of statism and that it that it moved your hand to the uh, Obama box? I mean, how did, how did you feel as you were doing it? Did you feel guilty? Yeah, I did. I felt like I, I had that defeatist mentality, like, like oh, it, it doesn't really matter, like... You know, he's going to get elected anyway, or like, my, you know, voting for Ron Paul won't do anything anyway, you know. You know, if that's not a comment, I mean, if your call isn't a comment on how pervasive the mentality of voting for one of the uh, the major two candidates is, I mean, the idea that you, as you say, have been listening to the ideas of liberty for the last eight months, have been uh, really keyed in on Ron Paul and this radio program, and I mean, with even with all that information in your head, you still went back to the old programming and uh, voted for one of the uh, the two evils. Yeah, I'm not going to do it again, though. I, I, I know it was totally wrong, and I, I'm just not going to... I think it was more like just being brainwashed, because as I listen to you guys, I go to like a really liberal kind of school, mm-hmm. and when you mention you know, Ron Paul or libertarianism or anything like that, you kind of get like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, don't you agree with all the healthcare benefits and stuff we get and all that stuff? And I'm just like, no, it's totally wrong, you know, you're... You, you, you're forced doing, uh, using a forced redistribution of wealth, you know, and they don't really get that at all. And the fact that I don't know what do you, I don't know what you guys think about that like half hour that Obama took out on those couple channels or whatever. Oh, the infomercial. I uh, yeah, I heard like about that, it. That like it was kind of like a brain. To me, it was kind of like brainwashing. Really? You know? Like I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, did either of you guys see the Obama thing? I didn't Obama see it, thing? but to me, it's uh, you know fine advertising. If you got the money, uh, go ahead and uh, monopolize the TV. I mean, it, it, what it does is it shows strength over his his can, uh, the the other the competing candidate. I think it's fine. <laughs> Any well, other I, thoughts for us, Evan? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Thanks for the call, dude. Good luck up there and uh, continuing your colleging. Uh, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231, the education process, which is actually more of an indoctrination yeah. uh, process than anything else. And I, and I don't think it's that the uh, young people that are in college don't understand redistribution of wealth, though I think they understand it quite well. Uh, it's just that they've been told that uh, rich people are evil 
and that uh, the government can do good things with the money those evil rich people have, and so that they completely believe it's justified to steal money from those who have it and then give it to uh, government bureaucrats to spend however they think is appropriate. Of course, they believe that all that money is going to go to That's people because that they're need being it. educated by government bureaucrats. Right. They I be- mean, unfortunately, our education system has taken teachers and turned them into bureaucrats. Yes, and these uh, these gullible college kids believe that all that money is going to go to the people that need it, but point of fact. The government welfare programs have like a 60 to 70% overhead. So most of that money that you think is going to help people is actually going to pay the middle class bureaucrats that run the program. And then the rest of it, you got to deal with all the crackheads and all the other guys that come out to try to you know, fill out the paperwork so they can get their hands on that money. However, I don't know how many people actually end up getting helped by welfare that really actually need the help. I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know if it's the majority. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We've got live streams. You can enjoy a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, and even a webcam. All free for you at freetalklive.com. In fact, if you want to get right to them, just go to listen.freetalklive.com. Again, that's listen.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. And it is easy to use. I went and got an, a, one of the free accounts at uh, privacyharbor.com. I encourage you to do so also. There's certainly times when you need to have privacy. Privacyharbor.com. All right, so going back to the issue of national service or national slavery, we talked about it uh, actually a couple times so far throughout the show tonight. Uh, And if you're just tuning in, the news is that the chief of staff selection for Obama is quite obviously in favor of compulsory universal service he still attempts to uh, com- to sort of catch the terms in, or catch couch couch the terms in uh, couch the idea in terms like ask like the government's going to ask young people to serve for well, 3 actually, 3 months well actually it's funny cuz that's what i ask people to do when i talk to people at work when i give orders at work cuz mm-hmm. i'm a manager i ask them but it's not an option Sure. I mean, and they never say no. And if they do say no, I say, oh, it wasn't an option. <laughs> right. Well, now it's always an option when you're talking about a work situation. They always have the option oh, to walk out. I know. I wasn't yeah. uh, comparing government and what I do at all. I was just commenting it's on It's a how, smoother way to manage. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, it's just a better way to get people to do things is to ask instead of tell. So well, right. If, if you want Julia, your manager, to like you and you want to continue your job, then you should do as she asks but if you don't want to do as she asks, then consequences will befall you. Um, and in the case of the government, the consequences might be a cold cage, whereas with Julia, it's just going to be, well, you have to find another job. And so that's, of course, the big difference here. Now, the, now again, they're saying they're just going to ask young people, but in the same on the same page of this guy's book, um, this, this man named Rahm Emanuel, he says that the nation will enlist them. If they're between the ages of 18 and 25. Now, when when that's when that terminology, that sort of top-down terminology is used, the nation will, the government meaning, the government will enlist you. 
That doesn't sound like the government's going to come and ask you to do anything. Hmm. That sounds like they've signed you up and you're in. Now you get to leave your what life. What do they do? Send you a little letter? That's usually how it works with uh, with the draft boards. They will send uh, everybody uh, – when the draft – with the selective service system, uh, every male that turns 18 has to send in this card. And then they are registered with the selective service. And if they were to bring the draft back, they would send out – they would randomly pick right. people and they would send out draft letters. Now – my mother would not let my brother sign up for that. My mom. Wow. Good my for mom her. is. Yeah, I know. That's it's one thing. My mom is really. My mom is very anti-military, and it just scares her the thought of a draft. And my know, mom, they shoot. They shoot at people when you're right, in the military. Yeah. Um. My mom pretty much said, "Listen, if uh, if there's ever a draft in this country, we're getting you out of this country." Wow. Um. But uh, my brother didn't sign up for this thing, and he's never had any sort of problems with it. Good. But what they do is if you were to ask for some sort of a school loan or like mm-hmm. some sort of government assistance, then they wouldn't give it to you. So exactly. I wonder if that kind of thing will happen because I just won't sign up and I won't re- like I don't care about government assistance. I don't want it anyway. Right. So if that's an option, I'll take that route. I don't know how they're going to handle this. And again, the, the proposal that I was just talking about was only from Barack Obama's chief of staff. Now, Obama himself has a different proposal and none of this has been turned into legislation yet. So it's all subject to change. And we have uh, read on the on the show here that it, what was it what was the age up to 40 or 44 or some, yeah wrangle i think charles wrangle has proposed it being up to like 45 or 44 it's cr- or a crazy number so if you think that this just doesn't affect you you I think mean, again now, think again i feel like and i'm not sure if i think you sort of brought this up a few minutes ago when you were talking about this but i feel like the best way for them to do this would be to start in the high schools yep start young and because those kids they're easy to indoctrinate. They've been doing it for sure. years. They're really good at it. If they teach you that this is what you do, like, okay. So first you go out for two years when you get out of school right. and you volunteer. And then you go to college. And then when you're 30 years old and you get out, uh, <laughs> you yep. start your adult life. Yeah. That's, That's exactly. It. It's it's likely exactly how they would do it. Right. It's just right. essentially make because it to high people school, like us who are and older grade. and have lives are going to be furious. So if they start there, then they can kind of like work they their work way up. Yep. Exactly. So by the time those people are 40, we'll have a nice full-fledged civilian army or yes. whatever they call it. And they'll be told that if they don't play along with this, then their lives will be ruined and they'll never have any opportunities like and they'll be college. a miserable success. They'll probably say failure. that you could use this on a resume. This will go down in your yeah. permanent record. Yeah. All right. So you're absolutely right, Julia. Here's the proposal. Uh, this from the examiner or examiner.com. At first glance, Obama's scheme is similar. We're continuing an article from J.D. Tassil. We started earlier in the show. Obama's scheme is similar. His proposal even specifically refers to universal voluntary citizen service. It's all very touchy-feely, but as Michael Kinsey put it so well in the pages of Time, problem number one with grand schemes for universal voluntary public service is they can't be both universal and voluntary. If everybody has to do it, then it's not voluntary, is it? And if it's truly up to the individual, then it won't be universal, because there's no way... I mean, the brainwashing's pretty effective... But it's not effective 100%. So if everybody has the choice, clearly it's not going to be a universal program. Of course, Barack Obama could be playing the usual politician's game of throwing empty words at an audience without worrying overly much about their meaning. But his campaign has put forward a detailed plan for national service. And on close inspection, it's clear that he really does mean universal. And while there's no call for old-fashioned conscription, his national service carrots are matched by very modern sticks that introduce almost as much compulsion as the old kind. In fact, Obama's national service plan is 
voluntary in a technical sense in that nobody will be arrested for declining to participate, at least not at this point. Give them time on that part. But non-participants also won't be allowed to graduate from high school and without uh, those... Uh, Government uh, high school. Government high school. uh, And without those diplomas, life could get a bit rough. That is not true. You don't no. really need a high school diploma. I swear uh, that the, I've never been asked for this thing. Never. I have two of them. So but they I, don't know that. Right. The high schoolers don't know that. Right. They don't. And I can't imagine that this. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, please, if you have ever been asked for your high school diploma to produce this document for some I reason. I imagine that the like percentage is like. Very, very small of people I'm, who have been asked to really for their high school diploma. I mean, maybe for college, maybe you have to have it uh, for like community college to go in. You have to pr- prove I in fact did it. Yes, you probably do. You don't have, yeah, you do, but you could get a GED at that community They're not gonna college. They're not going to let you have a GED a though. Test. You're not going to be able to get a GED without doing the same requirements you, though. Uh, uh, what requirements? Oh, of the, of the uh, service, the so? national service. A GED because it's. I don't know that that's a government. Uh, that's a government thing. GED. That's a government uh, alternative to a high school diploma. I guess it, it, it's it's probably administered by the co- government, but. It's done at like private organi- or private institutions, private schools and stuff like that. I mean, they all offer these services. So the government would have to crack down on these institutions and say, "Oh, you better believe private schools are going to be brought into the fold on this." How too. can they not give an 18-year-old a GED? Um, I mean, how could you? How could that be? If they won't do the voluntary service, they'll be able to deny them the GED, just like they'll deny you the diploma if you don't go into their little uh, government uh, national service program. You just won't get the you won't get the paperwork. I'd have to see it in, in effect. It would seem it would seem well, like you'll see it. Yeah. Give them time. Uh, here's the, here's a, the actual excerpt. One of the excerpts from the National Service Plan from uh, Barack Obama. He says this: Schools that require service as part of the educational experience create improved learning environments and serve as resources for their communities. The Obama Biden plan sets a goal for all students to engage in service with middle and high school students performing Ah, 50, middle school, they're starting early. You better believe it, performing 50 hours of service each year and college students performing 100 hours of service each year. Under this plan, students would graduate college with as many as 17 weeks of public service experience under their belts. Back to Mr. Tassil, who says, but schools set their own policies, don't they? Well, sort of. You see, the saying goes, he who takes the king's coin becomes the king's man. And most public schools depend on federal dollars. So, again, it's going to be voluntary in that your local government school won't have to participate. But if they don't participate, they won't get any more federal money. And how many school boards do you know of that are willing to say no to that federal money coming into their system? Not a one. More on the way here about this devious little plan. And you can take control, bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. If you dial toll-free, we'll try to sneak you in. 800-259-9231. Because these are the remaining moments. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your vote. Now, we don't need your vote in the podcast awards because the voting window has closed on that. And I guess we'll know here uh, within the next few days as to whether or not we've actually won the podcast awards. We'll let you know as soon as we do. Uh, But we still need your vote over at Podcast Alley. In fact, I checked today, Mark, and we were in second place. Yeah, that's the the last I saw. By a lot. Well, I I understand that uh, by by 32 votes now. Oh, really? The gap is closed. That's good. I I haven't... 
been paying as much attention to that because it's so much more important for podcastawards.com. Yeah. Well, and Podcast Awards is once a year, whereas the Podcast Alley is a month. When does the voting end comes for the Podcast Awards? It's over. Really? It, it was ended uh, last night. Oh, I feel bad. I only voted once. That's okay. <laughs> once is better than zero. So thank you to everybody that voted in the Podcast Awards. See, I was and- sitting out those reminders, you know. Yeah, oh, I know they annoyed the crap that. out of me. Well, maybe you should have voted. I voted once. Maybe that's why she only voted once. <laughs> probably she she can only vote from this IP address. She could probably well, couldn't vote because you were voting, IP right? We? No, I was not. Oh, oh okay. Well, sorry. We're on two different you people stink. <laughs> Giving uh, you reminders. What else do you want? I didn't get those reminders. I don't log into Facebook, so uh, except for like once a week. So anyway, um, so we were talking about uh, the podcast awards. That's over. Po- the uh, podcast alley voting is still going on, and we do need your vote in that. And it's only once a month, so it's not any sort of 24-hour thing. You just go to vote.freetalklive.com. takes you less than a minute. All you need is your email address. You won't be sold, or it won't be sold or spammed. It's only used for verification purposes. Head over to podcast. Excuse me. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. And cast your vote for Free Talk Live in this month of November. We need uh, you to do it because so far only like a couple hundred people have. And we know that as many as over a thousand people have voted in the past. So please, if you haven't voted this month, please take the moment, uh, take a moment to do so at vote.freetalklive.com. And if you're an undergraduate, graduate student, or recent graduate, go to libertarianseminars.com. The IHS is, uh, has uh, seminars going on during spring break. They pay for everything. Of course, you have to get there. Um, and uh, they're at Emory University in... Atlanta, Georgia, and Santa Cruz, and uh, the University of California, Santa Cruz. So go check it out at libertarianseminars.com. So we're talking about the plan that Obama does have for the national service concept, which, of course, will enslave all youth, American youth, uh, between ages of 18 and, well, who knows how. Actually, it's going to be lower than 18. It's going to be middle school. They're talking about middle school, bringing them in uh, at that point to become, through training them to become bureaucrats for the federal, local, and state governments. And so the proposal on the table is that middle schoolers and high schoolers will have to perform 50 hours of so-called service each year, whereas college students will be performing 100 hours. But how will they get compliance on this? How will this so-called voluntary universal service program be instituted? Well, they're going to use the carrot and the stick method. They are going to uh, essentially tell these schools, these government schools, that, well, if you want to keep getting federal funding... You're going to have to play along with this program. And boy, do they still want that federal funding because even though even though government uh, federal government funding is usually only like 6% of a school system's budget, they still don't want to let it go. I mean, these money-hungry bureaucrats don't want to let a, a single cent go. And so they're not going to they're going to jump through whatever hoops the feds put in front of them. Uh JD Tuseal continues from examiner.com that Obama elaborated in a speech last December that all at the middle and high school level will make federal assistance conditional on school districts developing service programs and give schools resources to offer new service opportunities. So it won't be the nasty federal government forcing your kids to donate their time to government-approved service. It'll be the local schools. But that requirement will be among the strings attached to federal money. It's a very modern way of imposing mandates from the top down. The uniform 21-year-old national drinking age, for instance, is nominally the choice of each state government, not a federal law. But the states set the age at 21 as a condition of continuing to receive a full measure of federal highway funds. And the same goes for the late, unlamented 55-mile-per-hour speed limit. It's also the case for uh, seatbelts, and New Hampshire is the only state out of all 50 to continually refuse the federal money that they would be able to get in order to institute the seatbelt program. By the state, you mean uh, a a majority of the 
the pe- the people in the the house or the senate or whatever. That's true. They keep pushing for it, and every two every, years it comes yep. up. It'll probably be coming back too, considering uh, that they're the they Democrats won and they again. pushed it uh, last year. Right. Uh, of course, state and local agencies could choose to give up the checks from the uh, from the D.C. bureaucrats, but they almost never do, and so violations of federal policies get punished by state and local government bureaucrats. Under Barack Obama's plan, a refusal to participate in a national service program touted at the federal level will be punished by the withholding of high school diplomas and by the, uh, by the school district in your town. And without that diploma, few colleges or employers will even bother to look at your application. Now, Mark, you say that's not true about the employer factor. You can always lie, but most kids don't think about doing that. You know, they don't think about telling a lie about their high school diploma because they believe they're going to be checked. They believe that there's a chance that somehow the human resources department is going to find out uh, that they've lied and catch them at it. Now, it's probably not the case that anybody ever bothers to check on that, but he is right about the college thing. I mean, if you do want to go on to college, having a high school diploma That's is pretty, pretty much important. the only one they can really hold over your head. I'd say for the most part, there are exceptions, but for the most part, nobody cares about a high school degree. Right. But, but that is the one that they're going to hold over kids' heads, and yes. it's going to be very powerful for them. And also, parents will pressure kids to get oh, diplomas yeah. because for some reason, that piece of paper is extremely important. It doesn't matter that you went to class the whole time. Right. You have to have the piece of paper. Right. That piece of paper means something, even though I think almost everybody lost theirs. The, yeah, I, I don't think I can put my hands on mine. <laughs> well, the the issue of college will be will be very persuasive to young people because it's so heavily pushed on them when they're in the government school system. Now, I don't remember when it started for me, but I'm pretty sure it was around the end of middle school when they started really pushing the idea of college. And so they're going to be telling these kids the same old story about how, well... You're just more successful if you go to college, kids. You want to go to college, don't you? We want you to go to college. But in order to do that, you're going to have to graduate high school. And in order to graduate high school, you're going to have to perform this 50 hours of uh, national service. And so it's going to be from middle school on, these kids are going to be sold this bill of goods that they have to do these things if they want to be successful. They're not going to see uh, the the other option as, as something that's going to be good for them. They already... Uh, they don't have a national service program, but they already a lot of high schools do have volunteer requirements. Mine had mine had that. Mine did not, but a lot of kids I know are required to do certain amounts uh, to get their diploma. So there's this is I mean, these kids are already used to doing whatever they're told. But I wonder if they're going to change. I wonder if it's going to be volunteerism this time, or if it's going to be working for a government program. Right. Because when have, they say national service, they usually mean being a bureaucrat. It's it's you know it it would certainly wouldn't bother me if a private school made the mandate that you had the uh, to, to volunteer. Yeah. And I don't have that big of a problem with a public school does what a private school could do. Um, but what bothers me is that it, they might do it they might reserve it for only government programs that the red cross doesn't count kids the humane society the humane society doesn't count you've got to go to the homeland security department right. and will do whatever so that's what bothers you me you can learn some skills yeah uh, so refusal <laughs> will be punished by withholding high school diplomas, and it's a softer sort of authoritarianism, which requires no draft boards, muddles the identity of the bad guy, and produces no martyrs and handcuffs for the evening news. You just can't get a job if you don't do as you're told. 
Such soft mandates are easier to escape than the old draft. Private schools will still be able to set their own criteria for graduation, as will homeschoolers. At least they will, so long as they can resist social pressure to conform to the requirements imposed by public schools. And 50 hours of service isn't exactly a tour in the rice paddies. Most people will just roll their eyes and do what it takes to get their diploma. The 100 hours, by the way, required of college students will be in return for a $4,000 grant, which amounts less to conscription than to the world's most expensive work-study scheme. But make no mistake, Barack Obama wants your kids, and he's willing to draft them in a plausibly deniable way. So this is where we're at today. This is what the proposal is that's on the table now. That young people, as you suggested, Julia, will be brought into the fold in their government school system. They'll be indoctrinated to believe that they need to do these things in order to be successful. And then, of course, actually going and working with these state programs is going to indoctrinate them even more into the belief that the government is good and the government is necessary. And by the time they get done and through with all this, they'll be even more brainwashed than they are today. And today it's real bad. It's going to get worse. I think what bothers me most about this and I can't stop thinking about is the way college works today for a lot of people, not everybody, but I work with a lot of college students and I see this all the time. It sort of creates this nice little between being a teenager and being an adult stage Mm -hmm. where they still get their parents' money and they really don't have much responsibilities, but they live on their own, so they're not really adults, and then they they get out of college and they don't know how to take care of themselves. So they they can drink and not have to to worry about uh, the repercussions like adults? now we're extending this little... We're going to need a name for it soon. It's like between adolescents and adults. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like we're extending this period of really not doing anything, not being productive... Not Elder children. I- yeah. Exactly. Not yeah. getting on with your adult life and doing things for yourself, but... Uh, it's uh, so sad. It's and, so sad. And the proposals that are on the table right now are, you know, as lightweight as they can possibly be. Expect them to become more authoritarian over time. Remember, there is no actual piece of legislation that's been proposed at this point, so it could get much worse than what they propose. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Men, are you urinating more frequently? Do you wake up to urinate? Now be honest. Is your sex drive what it used to be? Don't ignore the warning signs. Prostate problems begin around age 40. And by 60, one out of every two men will have these symptoms. And they do not go away. Take Super Beta Prostate. It has 3,000 times more concentration of the key ingredient in saw palmetto. It's so powerful, you'd have to take 100 saw palmetto capsules in order to get the same health benefits of one Super Beta Prostate. Try it risk-free for 30 days and give your prostate the nutrition it needs. For a risk-free trial of Beta Prostate, call 1-800-246-6204. That's 1-800-246-6204. With Super Beta Prostate, you get results or you get your money back. Call 1-800-246-6204. That's 1-800-246-6204.